some of you would be mad. Some of you would be mad because I don't, but you can't please everybody, amen? And that's one thing I ain't trying to do is please everybody. Just trying to please the Lord, amen? Uh, but I want to start preaching to you this morning about how to have a happy home. And if there's one thing for sure, uh, that's what's missing today is happy homes, amen? There's not too many of those left. And uh, you know, it's a shame, but even... Christian homes is being broke up and, and uh, preachers uh, of all things getting divorced left and right. Used to it was a, it was an oddity for a preacher to get divorced. And you know people make a stink about that kind of stuff and I guess it's, uh, it should be made a stink about but now it it's just seems like a, a common everyday thing. You know, oh you're a preacher? Yes. Oh have you been divorced? Oh yes I, I've been divorced but here's my justification. Well listen, instead of looking for justification how about looking for a way to make things work? Amen. And because that thing trickles down and the Bible makes allowance for divorce if there's adultery or if there is if there is uh, somebody deserted or something like that being deserted there's some allowances there but you know we've got a problem with trying to make allowances Right. Amen. Right. Everybody looking for a way out. Now that right. thing's trickled out of the pulpit and into the pew. Now everybody's looking for a last. Well, we just can't get along no more. Well, what 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 needs to happen? We need to take you out back and whoop you with the belt. Right. Right. No, I just think we need to go our separate ways. No, I think the belt idea is a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Just take the man, take the woman, both back here behind the building, and whoop them. Remind them they promise till death do them part, and then let that be the end of it. Amen? Go home and nurse one another's bruises and get along. Yeah, amen. Amen. Don't need no divorce. Amen? You need to learn how to live with one another. And and we're going to do that over, I don't know how many sermons this will take. I got two or three pages of notes. Uh, and that's always dangerous. I don't know which is more dangerous, to preach with notes or without them. <laughs> it can go both ways. It could be it could be uh, too long one way or not long enough the other. But at any rate, I want to look this morning in First John, and we're going to do a lot of Bible turning. We're going to look at the Bible. If you're going to learn how to have a good and a happy home, you're going to learn it out of the Bible. You ain't going to learn it from Doctor Spock. Amen. He don't know nothing about raising children. Amen? And it's, you say, how do you know? Because he wrote a book about it. You, all you got to do is read it and find out the fellow ain't got no sense. Amen? And let me say this right away. Get off of the internet and stop buying books. Uh, every time you walk by the Walmart book section on how to do this and how to do that, and go get your old King James Bible off the shelf and read that. Amen? Right. Everybody looking on the internet trying to find out how to do a better this. And it, I mean, listen, even when it comes to diet, the Bible tells you what's good to eat and what ain't. Right. Now, we live in the age of grace, and ain't nobody going to tell you not to eat catfish and shrimp and all that stuff. I love all that stuff. But if I wanted to get healthy, the Bible tells me what's healthy to eat and what ain't. Amen. Amen. Probably a lot of y'all could get off of some of the pills you're on if you just follow the Bible. Amen. Follow the Bible. Some of you get off them depression pills if you'd follow the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Now, now depression comes. I called Ruth on Friday coming down. I got so wore out riding in that bumper-to-bumper traffic. I got wore out. I I don't know if you call them depression or panic attacks or whatever, but I thought I was having a heart attack. I got off the side of the road and did something else for a while. Now, listen, when life wears you out to the point you feel like you're going to have a heart attack, do something else. (laughs) Hey, forget about stuff for a while, amen. Even if it, well, I'm on a schedule. Uh, to blaze us with your schedule, you need to get on God's schedule, amen. Now the Bible says, "Boast not yourself of things tomorrow," and that's understandable. But I'm beginning to think we ought not to boast ourselves about things of the next hour, <laughs> amen. There's too much stress in this life to be, be like. Let, just let things, uh, let things go the Lord's way. But get you a Bible. Get what I was trying to say. Get off the internet and quit reading Sister Susie's book on how to be a good wife and how to be a good homemaker and all kinds of stuff like that. And get you a Bible and read what the Bible says about it and you'll be much better off. And the Bible, you, you buy 500 
page book on how to be a good wife, and the Bible said that in about seven or eight sentences. Save you a lot of time. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Some man go buy a, book, buy a whole series on how to do this and how to do that. As a, and the Bible explained all that stuff and didn't take half the words to do that. Amen. 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 Plus it's fifth grade English. You don't need a, a doctorate in psychology to understand it. Amen. 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 All that stuff, all that stuff written for money. Did you know that? That's right. Yeah. It's all for money. They they don't know. Those people write a book on how to have a good home. They're probably divorced. (laughs) Probably so. Just take the Bible. God never been divorced. Yeah. I'll just let that sink in. Some of you can't live with your wife 20 minutes. God's lived with His wife for 2,000 years. Ain't the church the bride of Christ? Yeah, and she's rebellious and hard-hearted. And God keeps her around. Amen. Amen, you better be glad. You better be glad He does. I felt a little lull right there. One of those little troughs. Amen. You have to. You have to get. Under, you got to get right with God. Amen. Some of you are under conviction about that right now. Amen. Well, go back to the Bible. That's what our churches need. That's what our schools need. If we even need schools at all. Amen. Teach a kid to read, write, and do a little bit of math so he can. He might have to build something that takes math or something, and then get them out there and put them to work. Amen. This country. This country is so dumb. We we can't have our 15-year-olds working. What in the world is that all about? By the time I was 8 years old, I was working hard every day. Amen. And and probably, probably my mom and dad hurt me by sending me to high school. That's where I learned to do all my devilment. Government-run school. Well, that's not the message. That's not the message I'm trying to preach. But I am trying to preach on how to have a happy home. You want happy kids? Amen. Want a happy wife? Amen. How about you not head husbands? You want to be happy? This is the way you do it right here in the Bible. The Bible way. The Bible. You say, well, I've already made a mess of my home. Well, the, th- the good thing about the Lord is He's graceful. He'll give you a second chance. Amen. He'll give you another chance. Some of you folks in here, and I preach about divorce from time to time, and I'm reminded that some of you have been divorced. But ain't you glad God give you grace and forgive you all that mess? And listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat nothing. If you got a divorce, if you're sitting in this building today and you've been divorced, sin killed your home and sin wrecked your home. But now's the time to put that behind you and ask God to forgive you and go forward on that thing. And God does forgive you. And God does allow new starts and going forward. Amen? And so just do that. Just learn from your mistakes. Keep just enough regret to make sure you don't do it again. And then move forward and do the right thing. Amen? Amen. I feel like that needs to be said. But 1 John chapter 2, and let's start reading in verse number 12. I write unto you little children, because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. I write unto you fathers, because ye have known Him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you fathers, because ye have known Him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your goodness. Help me to preach. Open up the Word of God to the ears of these hearers. Lord, you said you chose uh, preaching, uh, Lord. And so we thank you, God, for the opportunity to preach. We thank you even more for the Word of God.
that lives and abides forever. And we ask you, God, to break the bread of life to us this morning. Give us direction. Give us leadership. Help us, God. And Lord, I want to pray specifically for the men today. God, help us to be men. Help us to put away the Playstations and the Xboxes and and all the the contrary mess of this world. And and Lord, uh, to focus on the things that have real and true importance. And we'll thank you and praise you for everything that you do. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Now, He says in verse number 12, I started reading in verse 12. He says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. Now I used to read that verse and it's okay to do this and it has some application. But I took that that little children to be talking to all God's little children. Like Brother Nathan got saved. He become a baby in Christ. He's God's little child. Brother Peter is God's little child. And that's true in a sense. But I believe with all my heart that he is talking to little children here. And I believe little children can get saved, don't you? Amen. And I think, the, listen, the, one of your first and foremost goals as a mother and daddy, if you've got children, is to get them children saved. Amen. Brother Nathan here got little babies, and I got a little baby, and, and some of you got little babies. Hey, the, the, the first thing that ought to be on your mind is that little kid getting saved. That little kid come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and save And some people are going around and preaching little kids can't be saved, but I don't believe that. I don't believe that. The Bible says, Suffer the little children to come unto me. Now that word suffer, that's one of those old archaic King James Bible version words that means allow. So I think we ought to have I think we ought to have an updated version that says allow instead of suffer. You don't know what you're talking about. Now when it says, if it just said allow the little children to come to him, well that would give you the opportunity to sit back on your hind legs and say, go ahead and go to Jesus. It don't mean allow like a mother allows her kids to go out and play. I mean, the little kid gets in mama's hair and uh, mama says, uh, why don't you go out and play and get out of my hair? My hair daddy used to tell us when I was little, go play in the track. Yep. Here I go. <laughs> and then you get out there in the road. I'm going to give you a look if you don't get out of the road. We told me to go play in the track. It's all your fault. Give me a whooping for doing something you told me to do. Well, you see, that's what most people look suffer the little children. And they change that word to allow and, and preachers are preached that way, and it's okay. But listen, you change that, you know, just because we've changed their language and, and we got dumber and we don't use as many words as they used to use, that's not God's fault. Right. right. And that, right. A, that word suffer, what, what, I mean, when you hear the word suffer, what do you think about? Pain? You think about anguish? Well, that suffer little children to come to me means you're supposed to get involved. You're supposed to be in the painstaking process of bringing your children. Don't just put them on the bus and send them to church. You get involved. You be a part of bringing That's right. a lie. Looking for a happy home preacher. Safe kids will take you that way. Yeah, amen. Amen. Safe kids will take you that way. Amen. I think what I wouldn't want to be 55 years old laying in my bed at night wondering if my kid was in hell or not. I tell you that. I tell you what. I, listen, I I get cold sweats sometimes. If I'm driving down the road, and my children are not with me. I mean, I'll just get in a cold sweat just fearing my child dying and passing away. That's a fear to me. That's a fear to me. But to know on top of death, hell, I couldn't deal with that. Couldn't deal with that. Amen. Amen. Listen, more important than making money. More important than, 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 than getting a job. More important than building a church. More important than anything in your life is making sure your children get saved. Know the truth. Amen. Right. And so you've got to get involved in that. You've got to suffer them. You've got to allow. It's allow, but to take part in it, you've got to suffer through it a little bit. Well, I sure would like to be doing this. Well, go suck your thumb about it. Oh, if I didn't have all these kids, I'd have time to go. Well, go suck your thumb about it. You're the one that had them kids. You're supposed to take responsibility for them. Right. Amen? Uh, like some people say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these kids. I, well, quit having them. Right. Amen. 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 Yeah. That's right. Get me upset, I'll start preaching about that. I'm trying to 
This is supposed to be a nice, sweet message about how to, how to have a happy home. Amen? Amen. Are you with me this morning? You all went to sleep? Are you under conviction? You need to get around the altar? We need to have an altar call right there. Hey, I'm under conviction about that thing. Hey, more needs to be done at my house to, to, to incorporate a more spiritual atmosphere. Amen. More talk. More talk. I started talking to my kids more about it. And I'll use things around the house to kind of open up more Bible conversations. Amen. I see kids talking to their kids. Uh, or, yeah, kids talking to their kids. That's about right, ain't it? I see kids talking to their kids about ball games. And, and I've, seen, I've seen daddies take their kids and have them practicing the basketball with the right hand. Practicing the basketball with their left hand. Practicing the jump shot and practicing catching the football. I ain't seen a much practice in praying. Amen. Amen. Right. That's right. Little children. Suffer little children. Suffer little children. And so those little children, I believe he's talking about sure enough little children who, whose sins are forgiven. Your little child can have their sins forgiven. I can't think of nothing better. You know, we see all these preachers and I think we're kind of dumb for it. We'll have a preacher come in that give a testimony about oh how they lived in sin and how they've done all these terrible things. And we'll almost make a hero out of them like they're Al Capone. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear what you've done. Now, I, mean, I, I understand a testimony is good, but I don't want to hear about how bad you are. Amen? I want to hear about your sins being forgiven. I'd like to hear about some young men that grew up in church and got right with God and stayed right with God. All teenagers are stupid. You know they're going to have stupid moments. But I want to hear about them growing up, stayed in church, lived for God, did something for God, and be able to stand up and say, hey, I never drank a beer. He said, well, they'll be bragging. No, they'll be talking about the grace of God. The same grace that saved you. Drunkards. Amen. Be the same grace to keep some of these little kids. Yeah. I like to see some of these little kids. Boy, we got all these little boys about my boy's age, Israel and Carson and Ezra and all these boys. I like to see them all grow up and be preachers and preach on the street and never drink a beer and never come home drunk and never break mama's heart. I'd like to see yeah. that kind of thing. Amen. 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 Yeah. That's right. Boy, that's going to take some work. Right. That kind of stuff takes work. You know, they, they just don't fall off the truck, good little godly righteous Christians. Right. You have to work on that. Right. They're devils. Amen. These little boys I just named, they're devils. Amen. Especially Clint's boy. Amen. Amen. They're, they're devils. That's what they're. You say, preacher's boy. My boy's the worst of all of them. That little boy went to Delaware and beat every little kid up in the church, pushing down little girls and taking their toys. Had to whoop him several times while we was up there. He's mean. He's a devil. Amen. He needs to be saved. Amen. He's bad. Amen. That's right. It's going to take some work. Right. I wish they was all like girls, don't you? Them girls of mine, they're sweet girls. They grew up just like dandelions. Like little, like little Easter lilies growing up in the yard. Don't bother nobody. That boy's a terrorist. <laughs> He is. He's a terrorist. God help him. Me and my belt are going to bring him to Jesus one day. Amen. And then look what he says here, uh, verse 13. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that was from the beginning. Fathers, do you know God? And, and listen, look what it says. Ye have known him who? That was from the beginning. We're not just talking about a New Testament revelation of grace. We're talking about God wants you fathers to know the God that was from the beginning. The God that killed Uzzah for touching his ark. The God that had the stone of man for picking up sticks on the Sabbath day. The God God that broke through the cloud and smoked Pharaoh and his armies. The God that, that opened that sea so his people could get through safely on dry land. The God that opened up the wells of water out of a dry rock to provide for His people. Some of you fathers, you don't know how in the world you're going to make it. You stretch it out day after day, trying to figure out how, and God can make water come up out of the dry rock. Amen. But you forget that. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Hey, I, you need to learn who God is. Right. And you need to believe it. You say, oh, we believe all the Bible. We believe the Bible word for word. 
But you don't live like it. You live like you've got to control everything. You know what some of you do? I mean, talking about building a house and making a home. Some of you got it in your mind. You know Bible truth. But you still, even knowing Bible truth, you got it in your mind. I gotta go to church and give on Sunday. I gotta get I gotta pay my tithe so God will bless me and so God will help me. It's the way you're thinking about it, you're providing for yourself by tithe. God don't want that. Right. The Bible says God loves a cheerful gift. Right. You know there's people out there that ain't tithing. That God lets them get up every morning and breathe and walk around about families and houses. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of you, you're, you're, you're controlling your spiritual life by reading your Bible. You're upkeeping your life by praying. Everything's about I'm praying. Well, who are you praying to? Old Jacob, when he goes and he leaves his father and mother and goes up to, the, to Laban the Syrian, he, he's, uh, he's having a dream about this Jacob's ladder. And he wakes up and calls the place Bethel, the house of God. And he goes and he lives about 20 years. And he comes back and he calls the place El Bethel. Which is actually Beth, the house. Beth, El, God, E-L. It's, it's the Hebrew word for God. He called it the house of God at first. He goes off and lives 20 years and comes back and calls it the God of the house of God. El Bethel. And there's a difference there. Somebody's been brought up in church and you've been just coming to the house of God and you don't know the God of the house of God. You've been coming to church and you've been tithing and you've been saying a blessing before you eat. You've been reading your Bible 15 minutes. You need to get introduced to the God that owns that book and the God that owns this house and the God that owns that body. Men! Men! Did you notice something about the passage we just read? Where's the passage about you women? You mothers. Anybody see that verse? He talks to the children. He talks to the older fathers. He talks to the younger men. He don't say a word to the women. Does Because it ain't your wife's responsibility. It's yours. You say, well, preacher, I don't like that talk. I don't give a flip what you like. The Bible said it's your responsibility, man. Yours. It's your responsibility. Amen? Amen. That's right. Amen. Awful quiet right there. That's what's wrong with this country. Hey, all this equal rights measurement come in, all this equal rights measures come in, and men have said, Well, this woman's gonna take that responsibility, and this woman's gonna take that responsibility. I'll sit back and take it easy. You're breaking your neck. You're breaking your children's neck. Right. You say, Well, my wife wants it. I don't care what your wife wants. Amen. Right. Right. Exactly right. Now I will say this your wife can run your home. Just let her. Just let her do it. She'll do it. And she might even do it better than you. But that don't make no difference in God's account. God told you to do it. God told you to do it. It's awful quiet right there. But that's the truth. You need to, he said, you fathers, he said, I, I want you to, he said, I write to you because you've known him that was from the beginning. <clears throat> and he said, you young men, he said, because you've overcome the wicked one. You know what, you know what homes and folks that need, you know what homes in Georgia needs? You know what homes in America need? You know what homes all over the world needs? They need some young men. Brother Chris, young man. Uh, Brother Clint back there is a young man. Uh, Bubba's a young man. Brother Slack's a young man. Brother Tommy's sitting there. Young man. Brother Nathan, a young man. These are young men. You know what the, You know what this country needs and this church needs and this state needs? It needs some young men who's got the victory in their lives. I mean, some young men that knows what's going on. The Bible talks about over in the Old Testament, they talk about some seasoned men, some older men that knew the times. Hey, we need some younger men that knows the times. We need some younger men that know it's more important to know their Bible than to understand the trade that they put their hands to every week. We need some young men like that. He said, hey, I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the wicked. 
Now you sit down to verse 14. He says the same thing again. He says, I write to you older men. He said, I write to you fathers because you know him that's from the beginning. He says the same thing again. But then when he talks to those young men again, he says, I write to you young men because you're strong. Now that's Ephesians 16. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His mind. Hey, he said, you're strong and you're full of the Word of God. Are you strong? You young men, are you strong? Hey, these, they, hey, there's some young men around here. I've seen some young men. Hey, you know what? Georgia got some big men. <laughs> Did you know that? I mean, I, I, I look back at, up there in the mountains where I'm from. The men are not great big men. A lot of them that like me. Just look. I went to uh, four Marine Corps graduations last year. Might have been year before last. Lord, time flies by so quickly. And I got to looking at those Marines. The toughest men on the planet. And they're all these little 18 year old guys about my size and Brother Harvey's size. And I'm like, Lord have mercy, these ain't nothing but kids. But there they go. I go back up there in the mountains, I look around, there's a big man every once in a while, but most of them just look. I come down here and they're all giants. They're, they're like Henry and Brother Curtis and, and this big, just big old bubbles everywhere. <laughs> but we're in the hills. Bubba means big old boy. Right. That's what it means. Right. Amen. Yep. Well, I look around, I see a bunch of strong, physically big, strong, powerful men. I'd hate to have been, you know what I'd hate to have been? The War of 1812, that British Army stomping off down through America and come over the hill and heading down I mean, and, and just come over the hill like a little 120 pound guy with a musket and see a bunch of great big old corn fed sugar cane eating six foot tall 300 pound Georgia boys that's right the reason why we look the British so bad is because we thought they was coming out the border <laughs> Thought they was coming after the bacon. Whooped them good. Amen. Don't come between a man and his meal. Well, you look, hey, you look around, you see it on display everywhere. Big old strong boys. We ain't, not, we ain't all blessed to be big old fellas. But you know what? Now, now let me ask you this from a spiritual sense. Somebody can bench press a house from the look of it. But when it comes to biblical things, when it comes to spiritual things, are you strong? We come to church and hear a good sermon we agree with and we're like, yeah, I like that. And we go home and the least little incident that comes up in our lives, we surrender. Oh, I quit. I quit. I quit. That's not strong. <coughs> hey, he says, I write to you young men because you're strong. And you full of the Word of God. You, I want that exact word. Let me read that exact word. He said, I've written to you fathers because you've known Him that's from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong. And oh yeah, I like that. The word of God abideth in you. You know what abide means? It means it stays there. It dwells there. Is the word of God in you at all times? Awful quiet this morning. Come on. Abide, it says. It abideth in you. And ye have overcome the wicked one. Now the Bible says faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Amen. If you're going to overcome, you've got to read. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. You're not going to be able to separate that. You need to be strong in the faith. Amen. Right. Something comes along and says, what you believe in, what you live in, ain't true. Say it is too. And I've got a habit of doing this. My life is so inconsistent, it's hard for me to enjoy the blessings of God. You're probably the same way. So the devil can take the input, but listen, let me explain this real, real good because I don't want you to misunderstand this. God has given us promises. God has said things will be this way, this way, this way. Now if you live a consistent Christian life full of faith and truth, certain things will take place good and right. But see, I am so fallible and I'm so inconsistent that I'll mess things up and when I mess things up, God's not able to bless me the way He would if I would be more stable and be more strong in the Word. So, 
My inconsistency causes trouble to come and the devil comes to see, see the Word of God ain't true. It's not the Word of God that's not true. It's me that's not true. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't want to live that way. I mean, the, the more you can guard against that, the more you're going to going to foster that assurance in your life that you need. And that assurance is blessing assurance. It's blessing. We even sing a song about it. Blessing assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I mean, God will give you a little taste of glory divine. Divine glory. Heavenly glory. Right here, if you'll follow His Word. He said, you young men, you're strong. You're strong. And the Word of God abides in you. That's the whole reason I'm talking to you. That's what he's saying. The reason I'm writing to you is because you're young and you're strong and the Word of God abides in you. That's why I want to talk to you. That's what he's saying. You say, what does that do? That'll make a strong house. You go out and find some not head boy to marry, you better make sure he's in the Word of God. Amen. Yes, sir, because if you don't, you'll be, be in a world of hurt. How right. God, God help these young girls, your girls, my girls, any girls, that marry somebody that's more interested in basketball and Xbox than he is about working and, and, and doing what's right and living for God and that kind of stuff. Amen. God, help a girl. Yeah. God, help Amen. a girl. Amen. Don't get mixed up in something like that. Amen. Don't get mixed up in something like that. God, help you. Stay away from it. Yeah. You need a man that loves God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, let's move it down through here. He said, you're strong. Ephesians 6. Now, let's turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Wasn't nothing about girls in that chapter, but Titus chapter 2. Let's go look. Lord, Lord help us now. Don't want to offend no women. Titus chapter 2. I might actually finish it. No, I don't. I don't know. It's 12 o'clock. Bell worship should be over. Y'all, y'all know these churches let out right at 12 o'clock? Did you know you'd go back in the, in the book of Genesis and find bell worship ends at 12 o'clock? Bet you didn't know that, did you? So I'm going to do my bit. I noticed that. I was listening to another fellow preach and he pointed that out. I will never let out at 12 o'clock again. Ever. I mean, if anything, 11.55. But we ain't letting out at 12 o'clock. I promise you that. Amen. Not after that. We don't worship no Baal. Amen, right. We worship Jesus. Amen. Yep. Amen. So maybe that maybe that'll relieve some pressure. Some of you thinking, man, we've got to get out. We've got to get. Why do you got to get out? Right. You say, well, brother Mike, it's hot in here. Well, I'll give you that. It is kind of hot in this building, but there ain't a hotter place in this building than right here under these two lights. I promise you that. Amen. You say, brother Mike, how come you always come down and walk amongst us? Are you a wild preacher? No, I'm trying to get out from underneath these hot. Electric lights up here, amen. It's cooler down there than it is up here. Well, let's see here what he says in in uh, Titus chapter two and verse. Let's start reading in verse number two. The aged men be sober. Don't be drinking no beers. My preacher used to say this. I'm supposed to be preaching about the women in this chapter, but he lets you women, you men have it. So I got to at least dwell on it a little bit. My preacher used to say. And people, you know how Christians want to justify stuff. Well, it said not given to much wine. Well, that's that, that's all well and good. The Bible says the wine's for your stomach's sake, medicinal, medicinal value. But my preacher used to put it this way: if it takes ten drunks, ten ten drunks. If it takes ten drunks to get you drink. If it takes ten drinks to get you drunk, and you drink one drink, you're one tenth drunk. Now all you got to do is find a verse that justifies you being one tenth drunk, and you can drink on. Amen. But you won't find that. Amen. So he says, you aged men, be sober. Grave. Means be serious. That word grave don't mean die. It means be serious. I mean, it's, you know, the Bible says that there's some jesting that's not convenient. I like to laugh every once in a while, don't you? Amen. And I'll throw a joke in every once in a while to wake some of you Baptists up around here. You'll be half asleep. And so I watch you dozing off and I'll say something funny to them. <laughs> you wake up for the funny parts and go back to sleep for the serious. <laughs> but what we're supposed to be, you men are supposed to be grave. Be serious. Yeah. You say, well, I, I don't like this. Hey, I got news for you. You live in a, you live in a cursed world. Yeah, right. 
and, and things aren't always going to go the way you want to. And this world is so bad, you need to be serious and find out what's going on. Amen. That's what this new age preaching is all about. Make me feel good, make me feel good, make me feel good. They're trying to get away from the fact that we live in a messed up world. You take your eyes off the game 10 seconds. Somebody will steal your wife. Somebody will steal your credit card. Somebody will steal your home. I mean, why are you telling jokes and playing ball games? You just think, just give it an inch. Amen. The Bible says you to be serious. Now, it doesn't say not to. I mean, God laughs. God laughs. You, I'm not saying don't ever tell jokes. I'm just saying have some gravity. You know what gravity is? Gravity is what makes you weigh 150 pounds. There ought to be something weighty in your life. Read some good books and turn off your television. I didn't mean to preach on that. That just came to my mind. Temperate, sound in the faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise. Here we go. That they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers. If you're going to accuse somebody of something, make sure you know what you're talking about. Amen. It's better to pray about it. Amen. Not false accusers, nor given to much wine. Teachers of good things. That's a good part of that verse right there. Everybody can take part in that. Do you know anything good, you ladies? Do you know anything good? Do you know anything good? If you do, teach somebody. Tell somebody. Some of you ladies that's 50 and 60 and 70, and I don't think we got any 80-year-old ladies in here, but if we do, you could take some of these 21-year-old knothead girls. Do we only have one? Are you 21? Oh, 23-year-old knothead girls. Because that wasn't meant directly at anybody. But some of you older ladies could put your arm around some of these girls and say, look, I've learned a few things coming right. down the road. Right. That's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Amen. Right. And you know, you might, all you ladies that live in depression, you might feel better if you take somebody else's burdens on rather than carry your own. Let God carry yours and you carry somebody else's. Some of you ladies that's lived a little bit longer, you got you got ten years of marriage under your belt, or fifteen or twenty years. Hey, get around one of these girls and say, "Hey, don't marry no stupid man," or something to that effect. Be nice to him if you do marry a stupid man. <laughs> My wife married a stupid man. She helped me out. Yeah, that's she right. Out. She sure did. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But y'all don't make the same mistake my wife did. Good guy. Alright. Amen? So, so teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husband. There's some good things. He'd give you a list. he not only tell you what to do, he'd give you a list of what, what it is. To love their children. To be discreet. Let's dwell on that one right there. To be discreet. That means don't tell everything you know, ladies. You know something. Hey, I know it's a temptation for men and women. You find out something, you're just dying to tell. I get I get next to Alan sometimes and I know something. I mean, my father-in-law and I say, I'm going to tell him what I know about so-and-so. And I say, no, I'm not. And then I'll be walking. And there's some preachers I just don't like. Y'all didn't know that, but there are some preachers I don't like. But my father-in-law likes them. And I know devious things about it. And I'll get next to my father-in-law and i say, hey, let me get that. No, no, no. Right. <laughs> just about have to kill yourself. Just about have to grab you back by the neck and search yourself out to keep from telling. But you know, that's the right thing to do. Right. Be discreet. Now, if you see imminent danger or something absolutely going to happen bad, you might have to tell somebody. But most of the time, it's just gossip. And I will admit, men and women do that, but he wasn't talking to men like that. He was talking to women. Well, I don't like all these preachers talking to women. Well, go somewhere else to church. Just point in any direction. Eventually, you'll hit you'll hit somewhere. The Bible said, shh, 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 be discreet. 
was talking to women. He was. He said it. Amen. Blame Paul. Look what he says. To be discreet, chaste. That means have some virtue about you. Keepers at home. So, well, preacher, I've worked too many hours. Well, quit working some of those hours. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you preach. No, you see that it said keepers at home? That ain't all it said. You go back to Proverbs 31, that woman's working in the market. She's, she's making stuff, she's building things, she's out buying property. A woman can do anything. But you, listen, you, just like you don't want some preacher to say you've got to stay at home all the time and neglect Proverbs 31, you don't also want to go over to Proverbs 31 and make her work all the time and neglect the home. Because there are some priorities there. And the home is that priority. Remember them little children we're supposed to suffer? Right. You might not be able to have no career, ladies. You might not be able to have no career if that means you can't be a keeper at home. Amen? And I've heard some doozies. Oh, I've heard, I've heard some men. Well, my wife's going to stay at home all the time. She ain't going nowhere. Bless God. The Bible says she's supposed to be a chase keeper at home. You're a blockhead. She's not a slave. Right. What do you do? Put an iron around her feet and fasten her to the kitchen floor? That's barbaric, man. Listen, the Bible didn't raise no male chauvinist. A woman can do stuff, amen. Uh, you know, uh, the man say, "Well, she she might she might if she gets out there in the world, she might follow us up." Well, listen, don't marry a stupid woman. Wouldn't that help? Well, if I let my wife, out, you know, these Muslims say that. Well, if we let our wife out in public, you know, she might run off with another man. Just don't marry a whore. Marry somebody you can trust. That's why you're not supposed to you're not supposed to run with everything that comes down the pike. You're supposed to go to church and, and you're supposed to seek the godly wisdom of your parents and you're supposed to marry somebody good. Right. That way you won't worry every time she goes down. I wonder who she's meeting down at the store. Nobody, you chump, unless that's the kind of girl you married. Right. See a lot of stuff's on you. I mean you if you marry a stupid person, man or woman, then that's what you got. Well, I just don't want to worry about it all the time. Well, too late now. You've signed a contract. Listen, don't come and complain to me about a mess you made. Right. You know, the Bible says you can't... Who The Bible says, who can bring a clean from an unclean? Not one. So, you get what you got, I guess. Amen. No, no, you marry somebody stupid, they get saved, get right with God. I understand all that. But that don't negate the, the other thing, amen? So I don't trust my wife. I don't trust, Well, that's your problem. Right. I'm just t- telling you what the Bible said. Right. Amen? Yeah. If you married somebody you can't trust, that's your fault. Amen? Amen. Right. amen. If you trust somebody that don't know the Bible... That's your fault. If, if the Jehovah's Witness came to my house, I would probably talk to him. But I know this, I could turn my wife loose on him. She could deal with him. Amen. I don't believe my wife's going to show up at the Jehovah's Witness church next week. Amen. Amen. So, well, my, my wife don't know the Bible too much. Sit down with her and start going over it. Amen. Instead of watching this week's episode of The Walking Dead, just turn it off and open your Bible with her. Tell your kids to shut up and sit down in the corner and don't make a peep or I'll beat you with the belt and you and your wife sit down and study your Bible. You say, well, my children wouldn't do that. My children wouldn't sit still so I could do that. That's your fault too. Isn't this a wonderful... It's a wonderful sermon, isn't it? It's true. It's true. Amen? First Timothy chapter 3. Now, bear with me. I'm going to do my best to, to end this thing up here some point in time. But bear with me. Because this will help you. We're looking for happy homes, ain't we? 
Let me hear a hearty amen from the ladies. Amen. Amen. Good. I just want to make sure you're still with me. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2. Now this is talking about preachers and, and more specifically than preachers, a pastor, a bishop. That's an overseer. Look what he says. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, not given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Boy, I'm disqualified because I believe I'd get in a fight. If the circumstances was right, I believe I'd get in a fight. But... I think brawler means somebody that does it all the time, so I think I'm, I think I'm safe. Amen? But I would fight. I would fight. If you, made a, if you made a pass at my wife, I would get back at you. And I just learned that about myself. I'm devious. I'm devious. I mean, I, I think there's something wrong with me. This man up in Delaware, he... Tried to fight Alan Ryman, my wife's dad, at, at Lowe's. Tried to fight him. Tried to physically fight him. It's been a couple of years ago. But I found out this week I've been holding the grudge. Me and my wife go to Walmart to buy a few things, and the next thing I know, this man has run up behind my wife, and she doesn't know he's there, and he's standing like this, real close. And so, next thing you know, I'm standing up behind him, real close. And she. Surprised at him being there, and again surprised at me being there. Now, about the clock this fellow. And he backed off a little bit, and he talked to my wife for 10 minutes, and I'm sitting here, and he's acting like I'm not even there. And I'm upset. And when we leave, I'm still upset. And when I went to bed that night, I'm still upset. Sure. When I woke up the next morning, I was still upset. And, and we went to a, we went to a funeral the next day. God help me. I told you. There's something wrong with me. At a funeral. We're standing in the back and this fellow comes in with his wife, the same guy. And I was I was still so upset. I punched a couple of my buddies. There's about four or five guys up there that's in the Marine Corps. We're all standing together in a big crowd. And I punched one of them and I said, and he's standing now he's standing there with his wife. And I punched the guy and I said, You see that guy right there? And the guy's looking dead in my eyeballs. I said, you see that guy right there? He's a jerk. You said, what was you doing? I was trying to pick a fight. <laughs> I did go home and ask God to forgive me over it. But I'm just letting you know, I would probably <laughs> get in a brawl if I had to. <laughs> there was just something in me that that fellow standing there talking to my wife and ignoring me. He was trying to put me in an embarrassing position and I was just dead set on putting him back in the same. Look, right in front of his wife, you're a jerk. Seems fair to me. Is that bad? Y'all pray for me this week, okay? Amen. At any rate, let's look at this next verse. Chapter 4. One that ruleth well his own house. That's a man. A bishop's a man. And you see, in order for to be a bishop, the Bible said you got to rule your house. You know what that is? You know, those are those qualifications for a bishop are not qualifications for a bishop. Even though that's what it says. They're qualifications just to be a man. Right. You can't be no preacher telling other people what to do unless you are a man doing what you're supposed to do. And guess what, men? That verse said you have to rule your house. You have to rule Well, don't you think women have good ideas? Yes, women have great ideas. And a woman ought not be ashamed to say, Hey, husband, what about this? And what about that? And this, you're a help me. A woman is a help me. And you got good ideas. Right. Once a man says this is the way it is, that's the way it is. Amen. You say, why? He was here first. And don't tell me, ladies, don't tell me you don't agree with that. Because when your kid gets the seat first, and little Johnny comes and knocks her out of the seat, and she goes, Mommy, I had it first. You give it back, don't you? Why do you men think you're in charge of the world? We were here first. 
And then you came along and messed it up. Yeah. Now, come on, ladies. Ain't that funny? You know it is. And you know, listen, before I get any telephone calls, tell me that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. But you did mess it up. Amen. That's right. You men, you're supposed to rule your home. Amen? Now let me show you something in your Bible. Let's look at it. Look at Genesis chapter 3. You men, remember we talked about the very first, you know Him that's from the beginning. You know God that's from the beginning. You men are supposed to know God. And by knowing God, that's that's going to allow you to make the right decisions for your home. That's right, isn't it? Genesis chapter 3. Let's start reading in verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. You women hate snakes. They something there. The Lord said, you ain't going to like them. I've seen some women like snakes. I don't know. That's between them. But the Lord said, I'll put enmity. The Lord wants you ladies to hate snakes for some reason. He said, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. That's why childbirth is not a joy ride. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. Thy desire shall be to thy husband. Yet thy desire. You'll never be happier, woman, than making your husband happy. Your desire will be to... That's the happiest you're ever going to be in your life. You could get a job making a million dollars and you wouldn't be as happy as it would if you're just making your husband happy. That's a fact. The Bible says your desire will be to your husband. And he shall... What does that say? He shall rule over you. Now that's a little bit stronger than just being the boss. He shall rule over thee. He said, I don't like it. Well, go live your life the way you want to. That's the way God set it up. God said, He'll rule over you. Now look what He said. And unto Adam He said, Because thou hast hearkened. Look. See it? Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. What did He do? He ate off the tree, didn't He? Why did He do it? And you know what God will do? 
A lot of times I make stupid decisions. And things come out right anyway. Yeah. And I don't go, God's taking care of all my decisions because I'm such a great decision maker. No, a lot of things come out right in my home because I make the decision and we follow through with it and my wife backs me up on it and when I do stupid things, God sees her faithfulness and blesses me for it. And in return, blesses her. Yeah. Sometimes I'll come out smelling like a rose, not because I made the right decision, but because I got a good wife who's being faithful, suffering my foolishness. That's the way the Bible works. Let's turn and look one more place. Genesis chapter 16. Since we're over here, Genesis chapter 16. Just I'll say this frankly. Some of you husbands, your wife is smarter than you are. She's, I mean, what I mean, she's more intelligent than you are. She's got a better education than you've got. Hey, your wife, you was in math class thinking about girls and football and girls and hunting. That's what you was thinking about, Matt. Your wife was thinking, what is that X represent? You're right. Your wife probably is smarter than you are. Except for Brother Nathan. He's the smartest person I know. <laughs> That's no I, I just like to point that out. I like, listen, the fact that Nathan comes to church here thrills my soul. Because he's a smart dude. <laughs> the Lord's helped me out. Listen, the Lord has helped me out over that in the last couple of weeks like you wouldn't believe. I mean, people are constantly telling me, you don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. You're doing something stupid. But I got the best woman that's married to me and she loves me. And I got one of the smartest dudes on the planet that comes to my church. I don't care what nobody says. Amen. Amen. Sometimes God just gives you little thoughts like that that blesses your heart. Amen. Where was we at? Genesis chapter 16. Now... Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid. Now, the very last chapter, chapter 15, God said, I'm going to give you all kinds of children. God said, I'm going to give you and Sarah children. Verse 16, Sarah, Abram's wife, bare no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And you know what they're doing? They're still fighting. Abraham did what she said. And that woman did have a child. And Israel is still fighting that child today. Ishmaelite. That little bondservant had a child with Abraham. His name is Ishmael. And every Arab Islamic terrorists that there ever has been come from Ishmael and they're still butting heads today. Because Abraham didn't listen to God's promise. He should have said, Sarah, shut your mouth. That was just it. You said, well, she would have been mad at it. But her kids wouldn't have been getting blown up by terrorists. Sometimes a man hurts your feelings. Because men don't think, women think like, like, like they got a heart attached to the heart or something. If you play a wrong note, they would get all crazy and stuff. But men don't think like it. A man just say, shut up. Amen. And that's inconsiderate. And that's, I'm not saying it's right, but that's the way men think. You I tell a man, hey, just shut up. It might hurt his feelings a little bit. He's not going to get a bit out of shape about it. Like, like the boar style. But you see, men, don't, men will hurt your feelings sometimes. But if you've got a godly man that's trying to do the right thing, then you suffer that a little bit. Let him be an idiot. Let him be insensitive. But down the road, the right decision could save you a lot of heartache. If he would have just said to Sarah, you, Job said to his wife, Job's wife come up and said, you retain your integrity, curse God and die. And Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. So take it like you want it. Shut up or you're a fool. Take it how you want it. But I tell you what, Job came out on top. Yeah, sure. Sure. 
And Miss Joe, they forgot to put her name in there. But Miss Joe had come out with ten times more than she had to begin with. When God tells you to do something, men, do it. Do it. This is going to cause some friction in my house. It might. But it'll save some troubles down the road. Amen. It's hard to stick to your guns. You know how pretty women are. And I don't mean nothing bad by that. But I got a pretty wife. And I got, I got three of the prettiest little girls you've ever seen in your life. And when you make a decision, and that little pretty little girl comes up and says, Daddy, it's just, man, it's difficult. Difficult. I mean, your wife knows you won't do certain things, and she comes to you and says, Hey, darling, how about that? And I... And she'll give this all these reasons why you ought to do this thing that she wants to do. And you've done said no, and she's like, pour it on, and I'm sitting here. <laughs> it's easy to melt. But you got to your gun. I'm sure when he'd come over there with that whatever she had to give him to Adam, she'd probably walk over there and say, Eat this old man! <laughs> She didn't put it in the front and throw it down the table. Eat this guy! <laughs> she probably walked over there. You know how girls. Would you like one of these grapes? He pulled it. And he melted it. Sure. Yes, sir. You got to stand your guns. They know what strings to pull, don't they? Don't they, Brother Curtis? They know how, them girls know how to talk to you, don't they? Make it. But hey, you can't give in. You've got to do the right thing. Do the right. You say, what are you talking about this morning? Talking about a happy home? You want one? If you want a happy home, you've got to find your place in it. You've got to get your children saved. You've got to be the man you ought to be. You've got to be the woman you ought to be. And that's the only way I know of to make a happy home. Money won't make it. Consideration for one another won't make it. Boy, can I have a few more minutes just to say this? You got a man and a woman, and a lot of times what comes between them is the inconsideration. You don't care for my needs. You don't understand what I've been doing. The woman says, You don't know what I go through to keep your laundry and your dishes washed. And the man says, You don't know what I get go through to buy them groceries and them dishes. Oh, yeah, well, I got a job too, and I help buy them groceries. And so they're not considerate of one another. But you know that consideration is not the answer to that inconsideration. Did you know that? Because just as soon as a man goes, okay, honey, I'm sorry. And I know you've done so much. You did. I, I can't call it this. I can't use the man as an illustration. Just as soon as a man grabs his wife up and squeezes her up tight and says, I know you've been going through all kinds of hardship and I know how hard it is on you and I'm going to make consideration. You know, as soon as he does that, it's going to go to the next level. And it's going to, well, see, what you do is you be considerate of somebody and then take that away and see what happens. But let me give it to you this way. Suppose I gave you just a little, like a little ounce of cocaine. Or heroin. And I gave it to you. Uh, you think that's going to satisfy you? No, you'll be buying pounds before right. long. Right. And your husband or your wife is considerate of your every need. All you're going to do is want more and more. You're a stingy bum. You men and you women. You're a stingy right. bum. And consideration will not solve your problems. You just want more and more and more right. and more till you're at divorce court. And you're longing to be saying, get half, and you'll say, can I have more? That's right. 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 You say, what's the best way? The best way is to just know that he's an inconsiderate pig. And you might be inconsiderate sometimes yourself. Don't you dare call no woman no pig. (laughs) But you men, you're inconsiderate pigs. And, And you ladies, you're a little bit inconsiderate yourself. And you've got faults, ladies. And you men got faults. And you better learn to deal with them and love one another anyway. Amen. If you live for God, you'll get your happiness. That's where your happiness is. Yeah. 
You notice when he was going through the men, he didn't say nothing about muscle. He said, you're strong. But that's spiritually speaking. You notice when he was talking about men, he didn't say, put your hair the right way. I ain't got no hair. You notice when he was talking to the women, he didn't say, make sure you fit into a size 2 dress. That stuff won't make your husband happy or your wife happy. That's not where happiness comes from. A happy home comes from... I mean, that word happy in your Bible is translated as blessing. You want a blessed home? You better find your place in God and get in that place and serve faithfully there. You say, I just don't like being subservient to no man. Uh, Joseph probably didn't like being subservient to the the abominable Egyptians, but he had to do it. Daniel probably didn't like being subservient to those uh, Babylonians, but he had to do it. But God put him in prominent places in Egypt and, and the world. God will put you in a prominent place in this world, and a happy place, and a blessed place, if you just find your place. And I, I could have preached about the children, this one being obedient to the parents. Just couldn't but maybe do that later day. But you children, hey, obey your mom. Amen. Well, that's not the most fun course of action to be obedient, but you got to. That's where happiness comes from. Obedience. Right. Obedience. Boy, there's so much else I'd like to say. Maybe we'll pick that up tonight. I think tonight we'll finish the sermon as it applies to the church. Amen. These, these qualities that I've been talking about, and really these are biblical things, I haven't gave you one opinion today. Not one opinion. This has all been Bible. Right. Tonight we'll see how that carries over into the church. Amen. God set this thing up. God set up the church to mirror the home. And it ought to. Amen. So we'll look at that maybe tonight, Lord willing. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And thank you for your mercy. And Lord, it may be some folks might want to get around an altar. But Lord, I pray that you deal with our hearts and, and strengthen our hearts. And as we're dismissed here this morning, I pray that you'd help us to really, to forget about what the world's idea of the home ought to be or our roles as men or women. Help us to forget that. And help us to go back to the old book that's so blessed and so true. And help us, God, to find out Your will for our lives. Help us men to be men. And I'm not talking about macho. I'm talking about real honest-to-goodness men fulfilling our responsibilities. And help these ladies, dear God, to be real honest-to-goodness women who love God and want to feel fulfill their responsibilities and these children as well. Help our children to come to a saving knowledge of You and we'll thank You for that and praise You for everything You do. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you for coming this morning.